Daily Aviation Podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 160, the most seaplane-friendly city in the world, and the NTSB drone program with Bill English, coming up next in this episode of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now here are your co-hosts, Victoria Newville, Eric Crump, Larry Overstreet, Russ Rosleski, Tom Frick, Rick Felty, and Carl Valeri. Well, folks, this is Carl Valeri with the Stuck Mike Avcast, and we are in the most seaplane-friendly city in the United States. And who is that? That's at Tavares, Florida. And uh, actually, you may have heard the person I'm about to talk to, and that's Matt Aliyah. He was actually at AOPA, the flying over in Tampa, Florida. Well, what we decided to do is come up here, and we meaning a, a friend of mine from uh, the NTSB, and uh, that's Bill English. He's waving his hand. We're about to talk to him next. But, uh, Matt, I tell you what, since the storm, things have really been rebuilt here. I know we talked a little bit about that, but I've never physically been here. This is an incredible place. Well, thank you. You know, we really like it here. Uh, Tavares is America's seaplane city. Uh, it's based right here in downtown Tavares, one block from Main Street on the shore of Lake Dora. Uh, we have a great facility here. It's centered around Wooten Park and the Tavares seaplane base. So we have a boat marina, seaplane base, event venue park, a children's water park that's aviation themed. And we're right next to the Tavares Pavilion on the lake, a great venue for weddings. My fiance and I looked at it the other day for our upcoming <laughs> wedding uh, and other corporate events with a little dock where you can arrive or depart via seaplane from your event uh, and various other pieces. We have a brand new boat ramp uh, and we're in the process of uh, starting a project soon that will extend our waterfront trail, uh, basically almost double it and bring it from our current seaplane base by our championship style sand volleyball courts to a new restroom facility at our new boat ramp and then tie in by the new Tavares Ecological Park and into the Tavley Trail, which is a, a walking multi-use uh, bike trail between Tavares and Leesburg. You know, there's a lot coming in Tavares, but there's a lot that's already here. I tell you what, one of the coolest things is coming here to experience the town. Uh, very friendly. Everybody is seaplane friendly. It's just about everywhere you go. Somebody has something in their shop, in their restaurant, has something to do with seaplanes. I'm, I'm thinking that maybe you are a big part of that. Why is that? Why are people so friendly to seaplanes here? Well, I can't take credit for any of that. I actually came to Tavares uh, probably a little over two years ago, and one of the reasons I'm here is because of what you just talked about. When I came in and saw that everyone's trash barrel has a seaplane, that the fire truck has a seaplane on it, that the police cars have seaplanes, the park benches are seaplanes, all of those things, I said, wow, this community really buys in. About 10 years ago, the city administrator, John Drury, who has a background in airport management, uh, got started with the city, and the city was going through a visioning process, and the city voted to adopt the America's Seaplane City as part of that and really go after that as the brand to separate our city from every other city in Florida. And really, the adoption has been great. If you go to 
as an example, the Community Health Center or the Ruby Street Grill or O'Keefe's or Puddle Jumpers or Tiki West or any of the businesses downtown, you'll see different aviation things, murals, decorations, actual components of aircraft. Uh, and it's great to see that buy-in, everyone in the community that will come out when we do our uh, spring or our fall seaplane fly-ins are people that really wouldn't have an interest in aviation if they didn't live in America's seaplane city. But because they do, they come out and see our events, take part in aviation, and it's really a great way to be, as a community, have that buy-in and that goal and that single mission of being America's seaplane city. So I've noticed there's, uh, and we've been here for a few hours. We, we went to Puddle Jumpers. What an awesome place. People are friendly. Great food, by the way, at Puddle Jumpers, right overlooking the lake, uh, Lake Dora. That's right out here. There's a seaplane about to take off. But uh, take us back a little bit. How, how did it get to be America's Seaplane City? I mean, there, there must have been seaplanes in place prior to this. Well, about 10 years ago, our waterfront park, Wooten Park, was really uh, overgrown. It was a public park. There was a boat ramp, a tennis court. And every now and then, seaplanes would land on Lake Dora, which is a huge lake between Tiberias and Mount Dora, and come up to the shore, and the pilots would wade through the muck and the, the bushes, and they'd go to one of the few restaurants that were there. And then... The city saw this, adapted, and, and brought in, adopted that seaplane theme and, and took hold. The seaplane base officially opened in April of 2010, and since then it's continued to grow. As part of that initial construction, they converted the waterfront to now be that event venue park. There's electricity and water, everything you need to, to support large-scale events in the ground here. Built an aviation-themed children's water uh, park that's open seasonally during the summer. Big airplane, water comes out of the propellers, out of the floats, out of the wings. It's really neat. And then, obviously, the seaplane base got fuel for seaplanes and for boats on the water and on the apron. Of course, Hurricane Irma came through and did a little damage, so now we just have fuel on the apron for now, but we'll be back. Uh, and so it started to grow, and it started, as I said, 2010, the first seaplanes, and we just finished 2017, and I'm happy to report that things have really been growing, and it was our best year in terms of seaplane visits ever since Tavares opened. So we are moving in a positive direction with that brand. I think one of the reasons it's very friendly, too, is that if you're into seaplanes, a lot of times you have a, a significant other uh, or a friend, et cetera, that's not really into airplanes. This is in a great location. So help us out a little bit. If we're, say, we're land plane pilots and we want to fly in or if we want to drive in, there's lots to do here. Someone driving in can go to Mount Dora, which is famous for uh, antiques, shops, et cetera. I think even all here in Tavares. What else is here? And also, if you could tell us how someone would get here by land plane. Sure. So driving, as you said, you come up from Orlando on 429, the highway. It'll bring you right up 441. You'll come through Mount Dora, right into Tavares. There's a lot of things to do in the Golden Triangle area of Mount Dora, Tavares, and Eustace. Uh, one of the newest things is a new uh, train ride that's just started. Uh, they operate the Golden Triangle service. It's all very nice reconditioned 1950s, 60s Amtrak cars, and they run Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays, and they'll run from city to city with that service. You get to ride the train. It's a really unique experience. And then they just recently wrapped up their Polar Express, where they took you on a train ride and you went to the North Pole and you got to live the Polar Express uh, feeling. And they have other plans, so stay tuned for that. Uh, that's one part. If you're coming by land plane, you would land at the Leesburg Airport. It's only six miles away, right up 441, the road, highway here. Uh, very easy to get here. 
Uh, if I'm going to go fly in a land plane, that's where I'll go. If I'm not in a seaplane for whatever reason, I'll go over there and do some flying. Uh, and there's a lot to do over in Leesburg as well and coming back this way towards Tavares. So if someone's landing here and they want to get something to eat, boy, I tell you, there is there is so many options. I had no idea. And it's been such a pleasant surprise, and it's been awesome just driving over here. As a matter of fact, you inspired me, I think, at AOPA to, to finally get in the car and drive over. Uh, we It was about 400-foot overcast, so we couldn't do an instrument approach in here. We didn't, didn't have an airplane available for that. But I tell you, the drive itself is beautiful, too. And and it's just it's such a nice and it's a rich community. And one thing I love about it is how diverse it is and the fact that I can bring my family family here and feel so safe. Yes, it is a great community. It's a great drive, uh, really any way that, that you're coming, whether you're coming uh, from Orlando, from the central part of the state, out towards Tampa, or up to the north and coming down. Uh, it's a great place, a great ride in, a beautiful area, and it's a really nice community. Uh, the community here uh, is growing. Uh, it's probably around 16,000 or so now. Ten years ago when they started this visioning process, it was about half of that. So the community is growing. It continues to grow with new developments opening. Uh, and a lot of that thing, those things are happening because or in part because of the seaplane brand and that adoption and continuing to grow it. So it's a great place for a family to come. There's activities for all ages. And really a, a key part of that is the events here in Tavares. We do uh, a big spring event season, which will kick off soon. Uh, and really every weekend for most of February, all of March and into April is an event of a different kind, obviously centered around Seaplane Apalooza, where we work with Sun and Fun to host uh, seaplanes from all over the country. Last year we had planes come from the Midwest. We had a lake that flew down from Washington State. Uh, so we attracted aircraft from Texas all over the country right here to America's Seaplane City on their way to Sun and Fun. We have a big barbecue event, planes, trains, and barbecue with an air show out over the water. There goes the Sea Ray now taking off. And then we have a variety of other non-aviation events. We host the Sunnyland Antique Classic Boat Show, the largest classic wooden boat show in the country. There's hundreds of classic wooden boats in the water or on dry display on the land. We do a rubber duck race. We do dragon boat races. So there really is something for everyone over the course of our event season. Well, that's awesome. I think that's a, one of the, the reasons that Tavares does so well is there is something for everybody. Now, those dates are the things that, that you mentioned. For instance, uh, I think the, um, uh, what is it called, Seaplane of Palooza. I think it's what, in April 6th and 7th. I, I, don't, I won't quote you on this one. I'll make sure. What we will do is have the website, which is Tavares.org, and you'll be able to find out the dates on those unless you can tell us what the dates are. Yeah, I can tell you. Seaplane of Palooza, it's always the weekend right before Sun and Fun. So this year, it'll be Saturday, April 7th, Sunday, April 8th. It's a great time, and if you're coming in by seaplane, you're more than welcome to come in the Friday before, Friday the 6th, to get a good spot. We do have limited uh, parking on the shoreline. We have some limited docks and a lot of sh or shoreline parking and apron parking. Uh, so depending on your preference and the type of aircraft, uh, something for everyone. Last year we had a very wide variety of aircraft, uh, lakes, to Cessnas, to Cubs, to Huskies, uh, a Beaver on floats. We, we saw a little bit of everything. It was great. One thing I think is great, too, is, is what you've done here and what the organization has done and the town, Tavares. One of the reasons that I came here today was it was so easy to figure out how to get here off the website. There's a lot of information out there. So what can people find on that website about Tavares, Tavares.org? So Tavares.org, it is, as far as municipal websites go, it is a very good website. There is a lot there. Uh, if you're interested in the Pavilion on the Lake facility, they have a website within the city website. If you're interested in those events,
events. The whole calendar of events is there with all the contact information, descriptions, anything you would want to know right there. If you're coming to Tavares, whether it's by air, land, or sea, you can figure out how to get here. We're connected through the Harris chain of lakes on on, uh, Lake Dora, so it's very easy to get here by boat, obviously by seaplane. We prefer that. That's our favorite, Seaplane City, and then by car. So we try and provide all of that information as well as other things that are happening in the city. For instance, we have a large-scale stormwater project on Ruby Street, and the outcome will be a new infrastructure of stormwater uh, protection, which will really help clean up our lake. It'll clean the water before it goes back into the lake. But the aesthetic part of that is it converts a paved street to ruby red brick pavers, which will really enhance the look of our downtown while also helping to do our part uh, and clean up the environment. Boy, a city that's really on the move, moving forward and friendly to aircraft of all types, especially seaplanes, as Tavares. And if you want to find out more, Tavares.org will have the link on our website. Matt, is there anything else you want people to know about this this city and also about the seaplane basin here? Sure. So, you know, the main thing, there was a a lot of news when Hurricane Irma came through uh, in early September. We took a a pretty direct hit from the eye wall, came right through here. it pretty well destroyed our marina, wrecked our on-the-water fueling. Uh, but even with that, we did a very expeditious job, and we continue to uh, clean up and recover from that. We were back in operation for seaplanes very quickly. Uh, so the seaplane base is open for business. Uh, fuel is available on the apron. Our prop shop store is, is open. We do have some temporary dockage for visiting boats, visiting seaplanes. And the main thing is the rebuild of our total facility with the boat slips, the on-the-water fuel, visiting uh, seaplane and boat docking is underway. There's a request for qualifications project that's out on the street now. We're looking to move forward with that quickly, and our goal is to get a design-build project uh, started, a firm in place, and get that ball rolling so that early into next year where we have a fully functioning seaplane-based marina total facility here as we complete that trail project I mentioned earlier. The stormwater project will be done, and it'll be like a whole new Tavares in downtown Tavares. Well, I tell you, you don't have to change a thing, but the fact that you're you're getting better by the day is wonderful. And, and there goes the Sea Ray and, and tips it off a, a wonderful, beautiful-looking Sea Ray with uh, red, white, and blue on the tail, passing us by and waving on his way out into the air. Just uh, what a great way to end the interview here. Matt Aliyah from, from Tavares.org. We're, we are going to be here for the Seaplane of Palooza. Hopefully we'll see you there. Absolutely. I'll be here. <laughs> it's great talking with you, Matt. It was really terrific and always always a great spokesperson for Tavares, but you know, it, it's, a, it's its own spokesperson. You can just sit here on the lake and look at it. It's just gorgeous. Thanks again. And uh, Carl Valer with uh, the Stuck Mike Avcast, we're going to move on to our next interview. And uh, and that's actually with Bill English. Bill, uh, I know you and I were supposed to get to- together today, and uh, we were actually going to talk a little bit about drones, but, but we decided to do something a little bit different, didn't we? Oh, yeah. When I heard you uh, talk about this a few weeks ago, I said, let's go up and visit this place. I never heard of such a thing. <laughs> This is a tough act to follow. <laughs> it, it, it is a tough act to follow. And uh, actually, that's uh, Bill English. Uh, and we're going to talk from, he's the lead investigator with the NTSB. He's in charge of the drone program. And uh, today, we're going to talk a lot about drones. And, and we're going to do this in a really 
a setting of an, an office setting, right? But what better place to do this than, than on the lake here? We actually made friends uh, at the local bar, and that's right here at, uh, what was the name of the, the bar again? The restaurant, you mean? <laughs> yeah. the, uh, or the restaurant, excuse me, the restaurant. That's right, we're having puddle jumpers on the, and oh, and the and the servers there were absolutely terrific. Uh, but uh, but to, to our point, we met a person, I was just talking about this uh, sea ray that took off here. One of the cool things is, is the passion for aviation in the town. It, that really comes out, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. This is this is definitely that uh, that old time, you know, aviation community, you know, that uh, that you just don't see anymore. You know, this is uh, the way aviation used to be uh, on the water, on the water in the sky. And, and, you know, for us to segue into into our interview about about drones, uh, one of the things that and I think is really important is is safety, obviously, and, and being a part of the NTSB. That's important. Well, we've, we did some interviews in the past about drone safety. Uh, we've come a long way since then. Things have changed. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about drones in general and their effect on, on public safety. Sure. Uh, I, I don't think you can turn on the aviation news anymore without, uh, you know, without hearing something about drones. And, uh, and that's still... That's still a secondary part of my job, right? Like you said, my, my day job is air carrier investigations and uh, working with unmanned aircraft or drones is a secondary thing. But it is all over the news. It's all over the public's awareness, all over the, uh, the uh, aviation safety community's mindset. There's hundreds of thousands of new uh, entrants into the airspace out there. How does that, how does that work, uh, mixing the aircraft together? And then what... Uh, what effect are these, the good uses of drones? You know, we want to hear about the good uses of drones, not all this, the scare stories in the media. Um, you know, we've had uh, over a year and a half now with the uh, commercial drones, Part 107 out there, and actually the safety record has been pretty good. And so there's there's some very good, uh, good news right there. And more to the point of, I know what you want to talk about, Carl, is the use of drones as well for good. And believe it or not, for good in aviation safety. And I, you know, I'm patting our own back a little bit, but you know, we've been we've been doing some of that um, over the last few years. Uh, as you know, we've been developing the capability to use drones for accident investigation, mapping the accident sites, looking at different um, points of view of an accident site to get a better product in the hands of the investigator, so that they can do the most efficient and most thorough job to. Increase aviation and really all transportation safety. We do more than just aviation. We're rail, highway, marine, all that. So getting getting back to what uh, the NTSB does with the drones, we uh, I was under the impression that most of what you do with the drones is to actually map sites, uh, accident sites, in the in basically in rail and in pipeline, but. I'm starting to get the impression that's not totally true, is it? Well, we'll use the uh, the mapping capabilities and other capabilities with the drone photography in, in any of our areas. I mean, we started in aviation. Uh, our first few cases were aviation. And we still are primarily doing um, maybe an in-flight breakup, a, a runway overruns. So that's a very good application for the, the mapping products. Um, we've done a number of rail events. We're still working our way into some of the other modes, the highway and marine. We haven't got there yet. This is still developing, but primarily aviation with uh, rail a close second. And the, the important thing to note, what we're doing, the drone's the exciting and the new part and what everybody wants to talk about. Really, all a drone is, it's a flying 
platform for a really good camera that knows where it is very precisely. That's where we get into the important stuff. That is doing a very accurate, very complete wreckage map for the investigator. Getting a point of view of a part of, of wreckage, say a broken rail or something like that, that's hazardous to get at any other way. So we can put investigators in a spot that they couldn't safely get to any other way. So try to put a picture in my head as to what you actually do with this mapping. How does that work? You, you fly a drone, and then how do I get to see that map? So the killer app that really is the power of using drones for what we're doing now is called photogrammetry. That's a generic term for various softwares that take a number of photographs, usually georeferenced photographs, so they know where they are in space, take all those photographs from many different um, points you fly a grid so the camera is looking at the thing on the ground from a lot of different areas then i don't like to use the word stitching but putting together all those different points of view and making now a three-dimensional virtual model of what that object on the ground is because it knows where it is in space it also puts it very accurately on the surface of the earth so i can now go out there make that product that used to be an investigator stomping around in the mud with a piece of graph paper and a sharp pencil drawing out his wreckage diagram measuring things with a tape measure or a wheel we now in a very short order of time fly the drone process the map and i hand him a stick with a google earth map on it that shows everything in one picture but when you're on the ground you're taking measurements that seems to be more accurate or is that not correct it depends how well you do those measurements. There's a lot of uh, variability there. You're out there, like I said, in the mud, over rough terrain. It's tough conditions. You're being distracted. The drone has none of those problems. Gets up there. It's GPS located. We can correct it with differential GPS. And it doesn't miss a thing. How many times has an investigator then said, oh, wow, I wish I'd measured such and such? Not so with a drone map. It's covered everything. So can I get, besides just the picture, can I get a physical map? You certainly could. I mean, once it's, uh, once it's in the computer, you can do all sorts of things. You can print it out, print it out on a piece of paper, or 3D print it. We've done that. I've 3D printed an entire train derailment. Wow, that's pretty cool. And uh, I don't know if you can give us an example, maybe of the recent past, something that's, that you've used the drone successfully and that you can actually talk about. Yeah, sure. One of the aviation cases we did just recently uh, was... Our docket should be open by now on this. was a, a twin turboprop accident in West Virginia. Uh, we were able to control that. We had um, the drone to do the map of the runway. We wanted to measure some witness marks on the runway, prop strikes and, and other uh, impact marks on the runway, and also did it old school with tape measure and wheel and all that. The drone map was half the time, and the differences in accuracy were basically none. It was just as accurate half the time, which means tangible result. We can get that runway open. We can get airplanes flying off that runway in much less time. And that's something that anybody can understand, whether it's the business standpoint or just the passenger that's sitting around in the terminal waiting when his flight's going to go. Well, that, that application right there means so much, you know, for the commercial aviation, et cetera, and also for safety. Uh, it enables you to expedite your investigations by having all the pictures. It also makes things more accurate in some cases, as you're saying. Uh, but the other thing, too, and I, and I hate to ask this question when we're sitting here in Tavares at a seaplane base is, how about flying the drones? Uh, do you, and this comes from one of our, our listeners. Uh, do you still have fun flying the drones? I don't know that I have as much fun as it looks to fly out here in a sea ray on this lake. I got to tell you that. And frankly, flying a drone over an accident site, you know, we're just flying back and forth mowing the lawn. Uh, but it's fun. I mean, it's 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 still part of aviation. Uh, one of the things we like to you know talk about with drones, it's another 
it's another way to get into aviation at low costs. You know, young people wanting to get into aviation. We know that general aviation, the prices have gone up, but mm. this is a good way to get started. You can learn a lot of things uh, right from that. So there is some fun there. With that said, one of our co-hosts was interested in, in what you just talked about, the costs. Is there, have you seen any cost savings yet? Is there any way to actually have any metrics yet or maybe estimate that this is cheaper than, say, I know the helicopter, obviously? Yeah, that is a tough one because we're doing two things. We're not just replacing something that we used to do in the past. We're actually adding capability as well. So, yes, definitely a drone is cheaper than a manned helicopter, but we're also doing things that we just simply couldn't do before. So it's a little bit of both. We're getting more and not paying very much for it at all. As far as safety is concerned, I guess this is much better than propelling down some jungle canopy. Oh, yeah. When uh, that train derailment we talked about in a freezing cold creek and a bunch of steaming ethanol around, much better to get down in there with the drone than, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can imagine. Hey, speaking of drones, what what type of drones are you guys flying? Uh, Right now we've got an Inspire 1, a DJI Inspire 1, and a DJI Phantom 4 Pro in our fleet. We're adding a couple more this year expanding that out. I've uh, trained a couple more folks uh, to expand my team so we can make this more and more of a standard. Um, it is actually becoming more of the standard way to do business with wreckage mapping worldwide. Our counterpart agencies in many countries, uh, Taiwan, Singapore, uh, the UK especially, they, they've really been on the cutting edge. Denmark, number of others, Saudi Arabia, have done the same thing, established programs to use drones and photogrammetry to support accidents. In fact, the last issue of the um, ISASI, which is the International Society of Air Safety Investigators um, Journal, had an article in it talking about leveraging technologies, and, uh, and the authors were talking about just that, using drones and photogrammetry as a pretty standard way of doing business now. And that's great, because it, it, I tell you what, it really is going to grow. And, and the other thing, too, is people are thinking about getting into this as maybe a career or something like that. But so you have a couple of drones, you're moving on from there. Uh, the, the other thing I think a lot of people are thinking is, you know, what's going to happen now in the future? Are we going to still have jobs at the NTSB? We're going to have one guy who's going to fly a drone around. Uh, you know, predictions are hard, especially <laughs> about the future. Um, no, this is, this is one tool. This is a, a new, a 21st century way of doing a wreckage diagram. That does not replace... An investigator, it does not replace that uh, critical thinking that is the the core of what doing investigations is all about. Can you estimate maybe on how many of those accidents that you investigate are actually using drones in the accident investigation, maybe a, a ballpark? It's a pretty small percentage right now. We look for ones that the scenario is... Um, is that that would lend itself to doing the wreckage diagram. So we don't go out on every single one. As you know, there's, there's many um, you know, smaller, not very severe accidents, and we generally would not respond on those. But we're probably out a couple times a month on something. So we're in a general aviation environment here. How about helping out the general aviation community using the drones? How many accidents have you been able to use the drone in? Is there a handful? Is it an incredibly small percentage because you are so busy with doing all the other commercial and the rail? Uh, I'd say we've probably done drone mapping for maybe about a dozen or so general aviation accidents. It, it is pretty useful for that. Um, like I say, we we only have so many that we can respond to, and we look for ones that it's uh, that it's worthwhile to do. Like I say, uh, you know, C-fit or in-flight breakup, that type of thing would be. Uh, a runway overrun would be the kind that lends itself to doing that sort of uh, mapping. Obviously, we want to do more and more. Um, you know, get that good product out there for our investigators, and uh, and hopefully, you know, get better solutions, better uh, better investigations. So before we switch back to seaplanes and and seaplane flying, is there anything else about the NTSB drone program that that we want to know as a listener and also what might be coming in the future? Is there anything anything you give some insight into, a little tease, et cetera? 
Uh, well, I just, you know, this is one of these applications that I, you know, we stumbled into it, but I'd like to say that this is one of those really good uses of drones. We see drones in the government and people are worrying about spying and privacy and things like that. And we're trying to be out there doing something really positive uh, for, the, for the aviation community, for our mission, which is um, nothing other than you know, determining the cause of accidents and making recommendations so it doesn't happen again. So I can't think of a better way to add to aviation safety um, than this with a drone. And, you know, there's so many people talking about drones as a risk to aviation safety, but here we want to give back and make a positive impact with them. Seems too when when drones started coming around, everybody was reporting drones and drone sightings and near misses, et cetera. Have we seen any change? Uh, that's kind of out of our ballpark. We don't track the drone sightings. The FAA does take those. Um, I know that there is a working group between uh, FAA and industry. It's called the UAST, and part of their uh, mission, one of their subgroups, is studying the sighting reports and uh, breaking that down. I think they've got a report that's due out pretty soon, um, so we'll we'll see what that uh, that outcome is. I'm, I'm distracted by this 140 and floats that's about to land. <laughs> Speaking of the 140 and floats, and that's the real reason Bill and I came up here is to to check out Tavares. Is uh, is this is a and for those of you that aren't here right now, we're getting a little bit closer to sunset. We're watching a a 140 on floats that's landing away from us. And it's as if it's just floating and floating down till it reaches the water, and it's such a beautiful sight. What is more relaxing than watching the ducks on the water and the float planes land and take off? This is an awesome place, isn't it, Bill? There he goes. Perfect touchdown on a glassy water landing. Nothing, <laughs> nothing beats this. This is great. Well, Bill, and you would know something about that. Let's switch over to the GA. You are actually somebody that has a seaplane rating, and you haven't flown in a while. But tell us a little bit about what you found out today. Uh, and a shout-out, by the way, to Jonas Brothers. Uh, and they're actually here. They're an operator in Tavares. Uh, they actually give uh, ratings. They also do flights. They'll do a lot of different really cool scenic flights and even bar hops, too, in a seaplane. I think that's really awesome. So what did, what did you find out and what were you here to discover today? Well, I was just shopping around a little bit. Like uh, like you said, I've, I do have my seaplane rating on my private certificate. I want to add that up onto my uh, commercial and get an add-on rating. So I was looking at what it takes to do that, the hours, the times, the requirements, and uh, yeah, everybody's nodding their heads yeah, like, yeah. come on down. <laughs> so... Uh, he's, he's sitting there shaking his head. Please come over here to Tavares and, and, and take that opportunity. I know you and I both are really interested in me and getting my rating, you and furthering yours. And, and one of the things we talked about on the way here is our spouses. They're not really into aviation other than the fact it gets them to their destination. Uh, so we, can, we have a real good sales job, don't we? We can come in and say, hey, listen, hon, look at all the things you like to do. My wife loves to do antiques and shopping. Your wife might like to do other things. We'd stay overnight. There's great places to shop. Uh, our experience has been wonderful, hasn't it? Oh yeah, this is uh, this is a great great destination for you know family or couple anything like that. It looks really nice. I might, I might just stay. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're going to sell your house in South Florida, and move up here to Tavares. Yeah. How are you going to convince your wife to come over? I, I don't know that it'll be that hard. Uh, it's pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. think so either. Yeah. It, it's it's a beautiful spot. It's one of those places I think that everybody should come visit because you really don't. It's hard really to describe. I mean, I know we talked about it. Matt and I talked about the Tavares, and and I have so many times I've flown over it a million times in a 172, never landed here except for Leesburg and some touch and goes. Uh, I think you really need to stop and. Oh, the other thing we did, remember, is we went out and we discovered it's really not that bad to get from Leesburg oh. over here. Uh, the, Uber, what was it? Uber you know, was, was it? $11. It was $11 Uber. Was a, and there's another way maybe to get over here. I guess a cab or something like that can take you. But oh, 11 bucks, and you come here and, and you have all these wonderful venues and you can sit here and watch airplanes. They'll take you up for a plane ride. Oh, yeah. That's for sure. Yes. 
And one thing, you know, not to pile on the sales pitch for Tavares, but <laughs> but one thing that Jones Brothers does that's completely different from almost anybody else in the country is that 140 that you were talking about is actually a club plane. So you can come and join the club and rent that plane, that seaplane, without an instructor. And it's very rare. Uh, but they have a, a membership that includes the insurance and includes a certain number of hours per year. So whether you're doing it to get your rating and then fly the plane, you're going to upgrade to the commercial level on the rating, or you already have the rating and you just want to have the ability to fly a seaplane without a nagging flight instructor like myself sitting next to you, you know, saying, hey, you should add power or put the nose down or any of those things. You can do that and maybe, you know, maybe take your spouse up and do a seaplane ride and see something a little different. Yeah, that would be cool. Speaking of which, uh, you said you're uh, an instructor. Do you have your seaplane rating? Did I even ask that question? <laughs> I do. I, I got it. Uh, I got my seaplane rating in alaska actually shortly after i became a cfi awesome and you're also from new england so you know what it's like to be cold this you really we had cold weather here but it was only for what an hour or so and we had a little bit of freezing but this is warm almost all year round, and it's a it's a warm and friendly place too and i really highly recommend it as far as the sales job boy i tell you it's easy to sell such a beautiful place uh and jones brothers is one of the ones that's here there's also a factory that's over sea uh, ray is right here and is there anything else we're missing well, th- those are the main things. Sea Ray is produced, uh, all Sea Ray aircraft are produced in Tavares. I like to say that it's seaplanes born in America's seaplane city. Right down the road at the Leesburg Airport, Whip Air has a service center and location, so they'll do almost anything you need. And very exciting, Leesburg Airport is actually uh, working now on a project to add a seaplane ramp so that amphibious aircraft can land on the water, taxi up, and go right in for service. Uh, and we view that as a good thing. Uh, the more seaplane alternatives that pilots have the more flying they're going to do we're not competing with the leesburg international airport and they're not competing with us that's a good thing Uh, and of course the main thing is jones brothers and i I mentioned that i did my seaplane training in alaska and here comes that 140 Uh, i did it in alaska and it was cold up there Uh, i didn't know that well this place didn't exist when i did that Uh, but now you can fly with jones brothers for a few days you can stay at the key west resort in downtown Tavares, and you're in the entertainment district so it's an enjoyable atmosphere with a lot of restaurants a lot of bars a lot of music live music going on and you can drive in park stay for three days do all your training all your flying you never have to get back in that car until you're ready to leave it's a a one-stop shop environment and it's a lot of fun you know, I don't think I want to drive home. Now, after all that, I'm staying. Let's tell, tell, tell our spouse. Remember that hotel? <laughs> <laughs> well, gosh, this has been awesome, both, uh, you know, talking about drones, which is our original topic. And I, I tell you, I really appreciate your, your saying to come on up here and, and do this. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I am at heart. I'm a pilot, a general aviation pilot. I love the environment of, of aviation, this uh this hometown kind of atmosphere you got up here. This is, this is just great. Yeah. yeah. And I know you you now are have your CFI and you're back able to instruct. I don't know if you're going to be doing any of that in the near future. Well, we'll uh, we'll see. Yeah, I guess uh, I was I've been an instructor for a long time. I went rusty for a number of years, and a couple of years ago got it back and uh, staying up, staying current. Flew last night actually, and uh, in 172. Yeah, that's uh, good. It's a lot of fun. Well, gosh, guys, this has been terrific, and it's been awesome being able to be here, uh, right here on on. Well, we used to say America's front deck, America's seaplane front deck is right here at Intaveris. And uh, and don't forget, during Sun and Fun, we will be here live, uh, both Victoria with Air Pros, the insurance company. Of course, they insure most seaplanes. And uh, Victoria will be out here, and so will I, doing some, some live reporting right here uh, at Tavares. And here he is with that 140 just 
shutting down, coasting to a stop as we watch the sunset. Well, gosh, what, what better way to, to close out the show than, than, than to watch that? And Well, folks, this has been Carl Blair reporting here, right here in Tavares, Florida, with the Bill English, Matt Alia, Tavares.org. You have to come down here and check it out. Fly safe. We'll talk to you next episode. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Avcast is an aviation podcast and a Valeri Aviation Corporation production.